Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is part five of The Wilderwood, an original work co-written for you by Daniel Hines and Joseph Montebello. The Wilderwood is a fantasy serial, which means that it's a really long story, so there will be a new episode every other week all summer long. Check out parts one through four if you haven't already. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Asheen and Owen and their family in Dorset, England, William and Annabelle and their family in Orlando, Florida, Seth and his family in Massachusetts, Hattie and Maple Walton and their family in Nibley, Utah, Vera and her family in Richmond Hill, Ontario, Canada, and James Pierce Jones and his family in Cape Town, South Africa. Thank you so much, James, Vera, Maple, Hattie, Seth, Annabelle, William, Owen, and Asheen. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast and get every episode ad-free, head over to patreon.com stories and join for just $1 a month. If you'd like access to all of our ebooks or to receive a thank you in a future episode, that's also available at patreon.com stories. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Stories Podcast. If you send us a drawing of your favorite scene or character, we'll share it on our feed. Now here's a word from our sponsors. As we all adjust to wearing masks as the new normal, parents are confronted with a unique problem. How will you find a mask your kids will actually wear? I know the answer. It's the Crayola School Mask Pack. The Crayola School Mask Pack is a pack of five comfortable cloth masks, so your child has a fresh mask with a new, fun design every single school day. All masks are built with a 3D design, a form-fitting nose wire so it'll stay in place all day, and adjustable ear straps so you can get the fit just right. They're all different colors, and the mask pack even comes with a calendar so you can easily keep track of which one your kid wore on which day. Maybe you can even get creative and plan your outfit to match your mask. How fun! Crayola School masks are machine washable and come with a handy mesh laundry bag so you can pop them in the wash really easily. And as an added bonus, Crayola School Mask Pack will donate a portion of your purchase to a charity of your choice that supports kids who have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, including Donors Choose, No Kid Hungry, and Heart of America. When it comes to making the best mask for you and your family, the Crayola Mask Pack has perfected every detail. Get your family the Crayola School Mask Pack today at schoolmaskpack.com slash stories. That's schoolmaskpack.com slash stories. Hey, grown-ups! On the Nintendo Switch system, you can team up with friends in Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Where you can meet talking flowers. Life's full of surprises. And where piranha plants sing. And where Mario, Luigi, and Peach turn into elephants. Wowie Zowie! And where this announcer turns into a... Super tiny announcer! <laughs> That's not in the game. <clears throat> Sorry, got a little excited. Nintendo Switch, the home of Mario and Friends. Game rated E for everyone. Game and systems sold separately. Thanks! Enjoy the episode. Okay, just in case you need a refresher, we last saw our friends Harks, Nezzy, and Lachlan thick in a battle with the evil branch creatures called Dross and a giant pitworm. In the midst of everything, Nezzy is shocked to see Lachlan's master, the paladin Sir Rancier, betray the leaders of the realm by sneaking up on the champion Gorson the Grave and stabbing him in the back, then kneeling before the evil warlock and presenting him with the book that everyone has been trying to protect. 
Just when it looks like they're totally defeated, the arch-druidess Shelsani uses the last of her power to transform herself, Bobbitt and the Bright, and the other elders into a magical tree, which protects them from being vanquished by the enemy, but also prevents them from helping Harks, Nezzy, and Lachlan get the book back from the Warlock so they can bring it to the Dawn Tree like the leaders of the realm had planned. How are our friends going to do all of this on their own without any help from their mentors? Can they even escape from all the dross and pitworms running loose in Edgewater? Let's find out. The Wilderwood, Chapter 5 Harks stared at Bobadin, her master, his face just visible in the bark of the tree, his beard a silver moss. Outside, there were more crashes, screams. The city was under attack. The walls were crumbling around her. Everything was crumbling around her. We have to help the kids escape and then find Asla, Nezzy was shouting. Come on, it's all we can do now. Harks dragged her arm across her face and shook her head. Everything was moving in slow motion, like she was floating in syrup. No, Harks shouted. The weird monsters of dead wood and dried bone and fungus the ones Nezzy had called Dross started to skitter towards them. Harks felt her sadness turning to anger, sudden as the blue fire that bloomed on her hands. She turned from the tree which had been her master, her friend, and looked at Nezzy. No, they fought, we have to fight. She clenched her fists and they flared brighter, the flames licking at the air. We have to win! She thrust her fist at a nearby dross and a small fireball launched from it. The creature stepped aside, but one of its arms caught fire and it quickly spread across its branch body, burning it to ashes. Across the room, Lachlan called out, Sir Rancier is out there. If we can find him, we can... He was interrupted as more dross attacked him, and others started to close in on the two girls. Harks could smell the rotting stench of them now, like vegetables long forgotten under the sink. Lachlan bellowed and slashed with his sword, cutting a branch body in two, but then was forced to retreat. Every stick he broke replaced by another and another. Harks watched him turn and stumble away, helpless before the endless tide of dross. The squire ran past the broken wall and out into the plaza. She thought about just letting him go, but Bobadin would never forgive her. She'd get a lecture about the value of killing your enemies with kindness, as though fire weren't way faster. Come on, Nezzy, she said, grabbing her stunned friend by the sleeve. Dross rained around them faster, and the tree that held the chamber was burning now, cinders raining down like orange fireflies, dying in the waters of the canals. Let's follow Lachlan. He needs help, and we stand a better chance together. Nezzy nodded weakly, clutching the branch that had fallen off of Shalsani's staff. Harks let out a blast of fire in a wide, swirling cone. When she was little, someone had once asked her how she made her fire come out, and the question had been confusing. Well, that's easy, she'd said to the horrified wizards in her piping little voice. The hard part is keeping it in. She let it out now, and the cone was a roaring dragon of flame. Wizards studied for years to master magic, but sorcerers let it flow through them, canals in the river of raw arcane energy. Control could be a bit of an issue. 
The flames burned a dozen dross, but set fire to the remains of the council room. The ornate benches burst into bonfires, and the water started to bubble and thicken with ash. Whoops, Hark said, and pulled Nezzy through the path her flames had cleared. They burst from the council chamber and ran into Lachlan, who looked so relieved to see them that Hark's worried for a moment he'd try and hug her. Together, they pushed through the smoke, and when they reached the plaza, they stopped short. Out here, the battle still raged on. Pitworms, smaller than the one in the council but bigger than brass oaks, tore through buildings. Dross flowed in their wake. Harks noticed the dross killed all the plants in a circle around them when they formed. Whatever magic powered them, it was something dark and terribly unnatural. This way, Nezzy said, coming back to her senses. The little ones. Harks saw Frosker guards. The now very serious frog knights were defending hundreds of tads and tasses, fighting with the smaller worms and the hundreds of dross that ran wild through the streets. The guards were trying to herd the children downward toward the river. There, the waters rippled and surged and were broken by the hump of an enormous turtle, its shell like a large stony island rising from the river. A school of frightened young frosker clung to its shell, the fire and ash raining around them, battle raging on all sides, and Harks thought it was the most beautiful and terrible sight she had ever seen. She joined Nezzy and Lachlan, helping the kids climb aboard. When the back of the turtle was full, a guard, seated on its neck, shouted in its ear, and it slid down the river and away from the battle. Another turtle appeared in its place, and the guards continued loading the children. Suddenly, there was a shout from an alleyway nearby. You stupid tree things! Leave us alone! I know that voice! Come on! Harks ran to the alley and saw a small group of tasses backing towards her. One little pink and blue tass stood between the group and the dross. It was Gwip. A branchman leaped at her, and Harks was sure she would be dragged down by the group of them. But then, Gwip yelled out, Fireball! Gwip's hands were raised, just like Harks's had been when she cast the fireball spell, but nothing happened. Then, the little frosker opened her mouth as if to yell, and a fountain of water sprang from it. Harks could hear Gwip's voice, a sound like a high note sung, as the jet of water slammed into one of the dross and sent it flying back into the rest. Nezzy and Harks looked at each other, shocked as the tasses ran around them to the turtle dock. Wee! I'm a wizard, just like you guys! <laughs> Gwip yelled with delight. The draw started to regroup, but Hark spread her fingers out and a wall of fire filled the low stone alley, keeping the branch creatures from following. They turned to see Gwip and her friends climbing into the giant turtle, Gwip waving as the turtle slid downstream. Lachlan touched their shoulders with his gauntlets. Hey, we have to make a plan. Sir Rancier went down that wormhole. Maybe we can go down into one of the other wormholes? If they connect, we can follow the others, and... Harks turned swiftly on him, and he took a step back. Hadn't he seen what Rancier had done? He seemed oblivious. It was maddening. If they connect, she found herself shouting. If we can find them. If, 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 and then what, squire? 
If we find them, we would be destroyed by the people who just defeated our masters. What good would that do? Nezi licked her lips and tried to raise her voice. We know what good we can do right now. We have to help evacuate the city. She pointed to the river below, and Harks could see Frosker guards mounted on their spiny fish. They were defending another huge turtle as children were loaded on. Several of the worms snaked into the river, swimming faster than they could crawl on land. A tall Frosker shouted, Hibble, bibble, anush! and drove his mount into the side of a pitworm. The fish slashed the monster with a tusk, tossing it clear out of the river. And despite the chaos, the Frosker children cheered loudly. Nezzy grunted and stumbled. A swarm of dross had crept up on the three friends and now lunged forward, separating them from the Frosker. One leapt onto Nezzy, its arm a mass of brambles that tangled in her hair. Harks grabbed the creature, her burning hands setting it on fire. She tossed it at the dross who were creeping up on the other side of the street, but they dodged around it and kept coming. Lachlan had his sword and shield both out now, bashing dross to the side and slashing at their branches. Nezzy got to her feet, dazed but not badly hurt. Lachlan turned and slashed at another dross, but this one turned his sword aside with a tangled arm and grabbed onto his leg. Hark set fire to it with a touch, but still it held on, wooden claws squeezing. Lachlan slashed at it again and again in a panic before it fell away. His armor was smudged with soot, and when he turned back towards Hark's, she could tell that he'd been hurt. A crash and a cry caught Hark's attention further upriver. The elven prison cart had been knocked loose by one of the pitworms. As she looked, it rolled down the street toward a railing, gathering speed and smashing through with a wooden boom crunch before toppling into the river. It started sinking slowly, the heavy iron bars pulling it into the muddy river bottom. With a start, Harks could see the prisoner was still inside. Come on, she yelled, dodging Dross and running down one of the canals toward the cart. Lachlan and Nezzy had seen the crash too and were right behind her. What are you doing? It's only the prisoner, Lachlan shouted. Get me out of this thing, the prisoner shouted back. The cart was half underwater now and sinking fast. Prisoner or not, Harks couldn't watch while someone drowned in front of her. Keep back the dross for a second, she said, and then jumped into the river, grabbing onto the bars of the cage. She flared her magic, her hands swirling with flame, and grabbed the submerged padlock. The water boiled angrily around her hands, surging and churning, but not hot enough to break the lock. She'd melted metal before, but the river kept her fire from getting hot enough. You're crazy, the prisoner said. I really appreciate it. The cart sank another foot into the mud, and Harks found herself suddenly eye to eye with the prisoner, both of them up to their shoulders in the water, clutching the bars of the cage. To her surprise, Harks saw the prisoner was only a child. No, she realized, not a child, a halfling. They were only about four feet tall, like dwarves, but where dwarves were broad and strong, halflings were quick and slender. I'm going to get you out of here, she said, spitting water. 
Here come the dross! Nezzy shouted behind her, and Lachlan bellowed, For Orlum! And there was a clash of steel on wood. Try the roof, the halfling said. Harks nodded and grabbed the wooden top, but it was too wet to catch. No good, she said. Do you have a needle? the halfling asked. A penknife? Harks was confused by the request, but before she could answer no, the river behind them exploded. With an ear-splitting roar, a pitworm burst up in a cloud of spray. Harks felt herself grow cold as it splashed back into the water and then surged toward them like some titanic water snake. Harks, we've got to go, Lachlan yelled. Leave them! Just hurry, Nezzy added. The worm opened wide and bit into the cage, its teeth shrieking and grinding horribly as it tried to get through the bars. This close, Harks could see into the thing's open mouth, and behind its rocky beak were row after row of circular teeth. Not the greatest rescue I've ever seen, the halfling shouted, water up to their neck now, the cart sinking even faster as the worm wrenched at it. Nezzy leaned down from the bank. Lachlan is holding off the dross, but I don't think he can last much longer. What can I do to help? The prisoner looked up at Nezzy and smiled, responding before Harks could. Come down here, quick! Harks was doubtful, but Nezzy only hesitated a moment, looking at the writhing worm and the sinking cart before jumping in. She splashed next to Harks and grabbed the bars. What now? she said. Harks started to answer, but the pitworm roared again, its teeth locked on the iron bars, wrenching the cart deeper. The halfling's hand shot out, plucking at Nezzy's hair for an instant. Then, the roof of the cart dipped underwater. The worm pulled mightily, and the beast, the cart, and the prisoner all disappeared in a flurry of muddy bubbles. To be continued. Today's story, Part 5 of The Wilderwood, was an original story co-written for you by Daniel Hines and Joseph Montebello and performed for you by me, Amanda Weldon. The Wilderwood is a fantasy serial, so there will be a new episode every other week all summer long. Tune in in two weeks for Part 6. If you would like to support Stories Podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, get ad-free episodes and more at patreon.com stories, check out all of our merch available at storiespodcast.com shop, Follow us on Instagram at Stories Podcast or simply tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Stories Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus Kids in Apple Podcasts. Grown-ups, before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to tell you about the brand new season of the podcast, Music Land Stories. Music Land Stories is a weekly podcast for kids that takes you on an adventure through the universe of Music Land. The musical Easter eggs and epic stories are sure to be tons of fun for the whole family. Take a listen to what's in store. I'm the conductor. And now, on a brand new season of Music Land Stories, I'm going to take you all the way down to the ocean floor of the deep blue sea. And I've recruited a new crew of sonic expeditioners that I can't wait for you to meet. Together, 
We're on an underwater odyssey to capture the song of the last Leviathan, a giant sea creature who splished and splashed beneath the sea for thousands and thousands of years. Listen to the newest season of Musicland Stories, airing weekly every Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.